welcome to Arcade Archaeology. Today's episode is about a very short-lived restaurant experience called T-Rex. Uh, you may know uh, my graduate assistant, Luke Clevenger. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm just here for the degree, and uh, I'm hoping I get a C because they'll do get degrees. Indeed, they do. Now, uh, the I have heard experience... though that T's don't get degrees, and we're here to talk about T-Rex. So I'm not we're... entirely sure how the alphabet and its degree capabilities worked out, but I'm along for the ride, Nick. T-Rex. Well, I think it rhymes, so we're fine. T-Rex, uh, very short-lived. Um, it opened in '04 in uh kansas city an area you're familiar with luke very Uh, much so i've actually have experience on this one so i actually have coincidentally i have almost twice as much experience with as you do uh which means i have almost 100 percent of the experience of this entire restaurant chain yeah yes which is something i never thought i'd say but something i don't think i won't say again in the future um I expect to say that again in my future is my point. Um, so imagine Rainforest Cafe, but dinosaurs. All right, Nick, you had me sold. <laughs> Until we went there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Nick, they, they built two locations. In, one, in 2000, like the first one, 2004. And then one broke, or one closed in 2017 is the disney springs one still open the disney springs one is still open and i actually ate at it in 2018 okay and to my knowledge is still there today um, okay well covid might have wrecked that but we we still well, I mean, as far as we you know, never know. Uh, okay so t-rex cafe is i mean you hit the nail on the head i don't know what else to say but it's rainforest cafe but in in the dinosaurs it's yeah it if this was built in the 90s, I would say that it was just Rainforest Cafe cashing on the Jurassic Park craze, but it was like 10 years too late for that. <laughs> it really was. Bizarrely. So let's talk a little bit, because the Casey location was the first one, right? Yeah, the very first one. Yeah. And then the first one to close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Landry's Incorporated uh, decided to like just bust this new idea open well actually let's give an overview of who landry's is first then we can provi- uh, provide context as to why they chose the kansas city location so landry's and there's i think there's enough meat on this bone for another episode maybe uh because we've actually talked about their stuff before uh, in our opry meals episode go listen to that if you haven't uh, they own uh, a list of things uh rainforest cafe uh claim jumper aquarium restaurants uh along with bubba gum shrimp uh saltgrass steakhouse and um the golden nugget casino um and a few other things i think at joe's crab shack as well um and the opry mills mall coincidentally has a claim jumper an aquarium restaurant and a rainforest cafe (laughs) Uh, two of which are literally across the hallway from each other. Like, there's literally just an entrance and exit door separating them. Um, which I didn't know when I went in there, and then I left, and I found that out, and I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
If it, it, it basically, if you've been to a themed themed something, it, it's Landry's is what it is, really. Uh, and interestingly, uh, the owner and CEO and president of Landry's also owns the Houston Rockets. Uh, Tillman Fertitta, right? Yeah, Fertitta. For yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume it's not. I'm gonna assume it's not the other pronunciation of Fertitta. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm hoping so. Um, and he was a founding investor of uh the Houston Texans until they acquired the Golden Nugget Casinos when the NFL had a fit about him owning something gambling related. Yeah, which I mean it is funny in retrospect because obviously with sports I, gambling hindsight's twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, but so it's not uncommon for Landry's to launch this like this kind of themed restaurant kind of thing. It's right in their wheelhouse. Right. Bubba Gump, Claim Jumper, Aquarium, Rainforest Cafe. That's, that's what they do. That's the bread and butter. Yeah. Which makes it interesting that it, it failed. And I'm willing to call it a failure, Nick. Uh, I, I am too. I'll hear it. Uh, it makes it interesting that it fails because like, you know, Joe's Crab Shack, Bubba Gump Shrimp, the Rainforest Cafe, a little bit less so, but those are all fine. Uh, like, They're, those are all fine branches, and, like, people I know still get hyped to especially go to Bubba Gump Shrimp, if I'm being real. Bubba Gump Shrimp's a classic, and I don't think I've had a bad experience at one. Uh, so it's interesting that this failed, and I know what listeners are thinking, which is why would it go into the Kansas City market of all things to try? Yes. And I have an explanation. <laughs> now, let me hear, because I think I know why, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you explain. Okay, so it's, it is a mul it's a multi-tiered good move. And actually, I would consider this one of the things they actually probably did right, was the way that they moved in and where they moved in. Now, when you think of Kansas City, Nick, and let's pretend you're not Joe, you're Joe Blow, and you aren't a brother of a kid who went you know, to, to college in the general area. Sure. Um, when you think of Kansas City, Nick, do you think tourist destination? Not particularly. Do you think, um, like, okay, so, like, there are certain cities where you're like, dude, if I went to, like, New York, I bet you I could find a rainforest cafe there. Do you think of that in any way, shape, or form with Kansas City? I don't. Now, Nick, what, here's the kicker. Here's another kicker, by the way is when you think of Kansas City, um, do you think of good food? I don't particularly know offhand what their cuisine is. Uh, the answer is yes, because barbecue. Oh, of course, barbecue. How, how yeah. did I not think about yeah. that? But Duh. Yes. here is why. It, it might not seem like a good move to put um, a, a basically reinforced cafe clone into Kansas City, but there's a couple reasons that it was. And it's all in the demographics. And Nick, what's the most important thing of real estate? Location, location, location. Bingo. Okay, so let's start first with the de uh, the demographics of Kansas City. And specifically, we're talking about KCK, not KC Mo. So KCK is Kansas City, Kansas. I'll probably refer to it as either KC or KCK from here on out. KC as a whole. Um is like very like a lot of midwestern cities where it is split on um 
there's a large kind of race split more so than you might think of like typical Midwestern whiteness. Um, same thing with our hometown of St. Louis, right? Where it's a very large part, portion of black and, uh, you know, a bunch of Bosnians. Kansas City is, is a pretty diverse area. And so for that reason, it's not like you're just putting it in the middle of like, I, I don't know, um, St. Paul, Minnesota, or like I'm trying to think of like a very stereotypically like white guy city. Madison, right? it's, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's more diverse than you might think. But the most important reason and why this is huge is its location, location, location. You see, in Kansas City, Kansas, all right, uh, there is the Kansas Speedway. And it I, I'm going I promise I'm going to reel this back in. But Kansas Speedway uh opened up in I'm trying to think. It, it opened up right around this time. 2001 is when it opened up. I had to pull that up. And Kansas Speedway is a little unique in that most speedways sit well outside of kind of city limits. Kansas Speedway, no different, really, for that reason. But they sit outside of, like, the downtown areas because it's noisy as all get out. Kansas Speedway in 2001 had kind of a revolutionary idea that we'll see in sports stadiums later, which is let's place buku other stuff near it and create this kind of multi like multi-entertainment district okay so Mm -hmm. near kansas speedway is uh the hollywood casino there which i mean is its own thing but right across like you have the speedway turns three and four uh kind of the north end then you have like a really small parking lot like maybe two or three lanes deep and then on the other side of the road, you have Children's Mercy Park, which is where the Kansas City uh, uh, Sporting KC plays, the MLS team, which is hugely popular in it, in Kansas City. It's, it's massively massive, popular. Yeah. Massively popular in Kansas City. Uh, and then you have, that's uh, right next to that is Legends Field, which is where the then Kansas City T-Bones uh, AA baseball team plays, now the Kansas City Monarchs. So you have two more big sports draws okay so keep in mind how many times a year a double a baseball team plays at home i don't have the number in front of me but about 60 and then you get about 18 games a year from sporting kc and then you get probably three events a year four big enough events a year to really see an influx in from the kansas speedway but keep in mind that racetracks hold like 80 plus um yeah, eighty to hundred. Yeah, or more so. I'd have to Google it, but it there's a lot of entertainment in here, and that's before you get to this. I think it's called the uh, the Legends Outlets at Kansas City. Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, and it's a big outdoor mall, and it's. It, I mean, it is. Uh, it's got a hotel attached. It's got this. It's got. Uh, Levi's outlet store. Uh, it's got a Nike factory store. It's it's a mall in and of itself, and maybe not a destination, but a place you'd stop if you were in town visiting one of these other four mass, like pretty decent draws. I wouldn't say massive draws, but decent draws. Um, so you have to remember. Uh, so capacity for Kansas Speedway is forty eight thousand, but. Uh, NASCAR events, the infield, blah blah blah. You could probably get a hundred to a hundred ten thousand in Kansas Speedway. So keep sure. that in mind, right? Yeah. This is there's a lot of things that would 
pull people to Kansas City, and then while you're in the mood, you go to, um, you go to the T Rex Cafe, and here's the other key too. And the T Rex Cafe, I expect, made big money off of this. When Kansas Speedway was built in 2001, um, there was a massive resurgence in the popularity of NASCAR. Like, yeah, it was huge. I remember that growing up. Right. It, it was bizarre to think about it now, but at that time, you could literally go to Walmart and Target and just buy branded Dale Earnhardt Jr. shirts and, and Jeff Gordon shirts. And like, I remember rolling up with Dale Earnhardt Jr. pencils uh, going <laughs> going to class, like the first day of school. Of course you did. Like it was, it was big. For those of you who don't know, I I host a, a show about motorsports, so it shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, shout out to the Formation Lab, the Formation Lab podcast from the one on one ESPN studios. So there's there's oh I forgot to mention by the way right next to it is uh, the Great Wolf Lodge water park. Uh, there's that, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I believe th- the, those are huge. Yeah, and then I believe uh, the Schlitterbahn. Uh, is right next to there too, but the Schlitterbahn that did used to be on there, but it closed. Yeah, it closed after it killed a kid. Not a joke. Um, so it, yep, the yeah. NASCAR popularity researched, and NASCAR races became a thing at the time that you would absolutely travel to. Like you would, you would travel to go see a NASCAR race because it's a whole weekend experience. It's kind of a culture in and of itself. And during like the conservative kind of Bush year two thousands. Um, you saw NASCAR's popularity surge. So yeah, the, the T-Rex cafe or the rainforest cafe right across the street, is going to get a lot of, lot of business from it. Well, and it also, the way I seem to remember it, because I think you've been there more than I have. And it's also been several years since I've been there. Yeah. It's also not a bad place to shop if you're in Kansas City. No, if, if but, you're in Kansas City, I mean, granted, it's like about... Like, if you're a local? I'd say it's about 30 minutes outside of Kansas City, outside of KC Mo, like downtown KC Mo. Um, but if you're on that side of the city... Yeah, yeah, for and sure. you're it, looking for a store, like, if you're looking to go shop, that's definitely a place to go. Yeah, and then another thing to keep in mind, too, is it's really not all that far from the airport, too. Um, yes, because the, air, the airport's on yeah. the west side of the city, but it's up in the northwest corner, if I remember yeah. right. So let's, so let's summarize, all right? What you have here are um, a casino, which is a place... What you have here in the immediate vicinity, like we're talking walking vicinity, is a casino, which is a place where people would go, maybe not family entertainment, but a place where they're already in the mood to spend money, right? You mm-hmm. have... Possibly the best tourist attraction of the mid-2000s, which was a NASCAR race at the time, right? When it yep. opened in 2004. Um, and, and again, it sounds weird if you didn't live through it, but I promise you it was bizarrely popular uh, in, in the mid-2000s. To the, that was crazy. To the point where like, when I go to the Indy 500 and I talk about being a member of like the IndyCar media, people ask if that's NASCAR because they remember from back in the day. Um, so you had possibly the best tourist attraction of the mid-2000s in a speedway right next to each other. You had 18 games a year of, I want to say, probably 30,000 people uh, at Children's University Park watching Sporting KC play, then the Kansas City Wiz and the Kansas City Wizards. Um, and again, that's a family event. 
that maybe you go out and you treat yourself to a nice little meal before or after the game, depending on the time of day. Um, if you go out to, uh, you know, people might not fly in to go see the Kansas City T-Bones play double-A baseball. But if I'm a Kansas City resident and I'm going over to Legends Field and watching the game, I might show up a little early, or if it's a day game, go get dinner afterwards at the T-Rex Cafe right next to it. You have, the if there is such a thing as a perfect location for a restaurant to get trialed out, I, I'm going to be honest, um, on top of, oh, by the way, on top of all that, you know, you have a Great Wolf Lodge, which is like a massive tourist destination in and of itself. Like families will it, go there and just spend only that their time in a Great Wolf Lodge. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Great Wolf Lodge is sort of an all-in-one resort with an indoor water park attached. Yeah, um, they seem delightful. I've never been. Um, they they are, but it's one, a yeah. it's a big old indoor water park with a hotel, you know, attached, obviously, um, and. People just spend all their time there. Yeah. Um, so you have, like, if, if there is such a thing, um, the Schlitterbahn was open for a couple years, too, uh, concurrent with this, but before the Schlitterbahn and then that shut down. If there is such a thing, Nick, as a perfect storm to like of tourism, it's that, right? Like, I, I yeah, outside it, of literally sticking is. it next to Disney, that is about what you want if you're going to open a restaurant in 2004. I'm going to be 100% well, with you. I would argue that this is actually better than just sticking it in Disney. Because Disney, you have such a weird captive audience, and that, that's what kept uh, Disney Quest alive for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, It's a captive audience there, and they're willing to try almost anything and spend outrageous amounts of money on it because they're at Disney. Yeah. Whereas if you're, you know, you're going to the, you know, sporting Kansas City game or Kansas City Monarchs game, um, or you know a NASCAR track or a NASCAR event, you you spend a lot of money and probably on tickets anyway. Yeah. If you're let's say a family of four, um, and then you have to think, do we get dinner here or do we just get food in the park, you know, or in the, in the venue, um. But you you can see how well it attracts. You can see the take rate on that a lot better. Yeah, at a place like Kansas City, uh, at the Legends, um, outdoor shopping mall plaza. Yeah, arcade kind of. I want I want to expand just a little bit, um, because this is my niche. But I want to paint a picture of how big of a deal, um, this was. So I want you to imagine probably a hundred and ten thousand people was the thing I said earlier for not one, but two NASCAR races every year, right? So it was one of the double stops, and it still is. Sure. Um, at the same time, at a separate time, you'd have the Xfinity race. That might not sell out, but that's about 48,000, 50,000 people, okay? Um, remember, NASCAR capacity versus what they actually hold, like the seats versus what they hold are totally different. Um, it's, they're selling standing room right so that's and regular sports teams our general admission just grounds tickets which is actually how most fans get in and around um so that's three big big events okay then you had the truck series that came in all right that's four big events okay truck series brings out people too at the same time imsa or at the time the uscr championship 
IMSA is like American sports car racing, and it's a different crowd, by the way, a more wealthy white-collar crowd, dare I say, uh, than NASCAR. That crowd, that'll probably bring, yeah, 35,000, 40,000 people. Okay, so we're up, to, we're up to five events now, I think. IndyCar ran there for several years on the Oval. IndyCar is a different crowd than even IMSA or NASCAR. Uh, sports, like, n- these crowds are very different. Nick can attest to this, by the way. Um, Indeed, I can. Uh, so that's six events. Uh, by the way, an IndyCar would probably bring about forty-eight to 50,000 as well. It's not as big as NASCAR at the time, but IndyCar was huge. All right. Uh, and then, yeah, and then, uh, by the way, at the time, uh, the CART series ran there too, which is a separate series from IndyCar. It was a whole complicated. But basically, what you're getting is six events with fifty to 110,000 people per year. That's, that's competitive with being next to Arrowhead. <laughs> Uh, right, right. If you think about what is being next to an NFL stadium, it's eight, eight times eight events a year with sixty thousand plus people, and that's basically what this track is doing. Yeah, and that that's a phenomenal market to be in because, uh, not only are you you have a lot of demographics crossing there, you also have a lot of rich demographics. You have a lot of middle class demographics, and you can really figure out the take rates. Right. You can and, and remember where I said about trialing a restaurant like this is all about demographics. Um IMSA guys wear polos to races and NASCAR guys don't wear shirts to races. Okay? Like IMSA and IndyCar guys are very much more white collar. Um the racers in IMSA and in IndyCar are from literally every corner of the globe. Like not uncommon for there to be more drivers not from America than from America, despite them racing exclusively in America. Uh, right. So you get all these varied demographics of white collar fans. Um, IMSA has a larger demographic of African American fans. I've found uh, IMSA and IndyCar do than, than NASCAR even. Right, which is a whole different thing. It seems to change because blah 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 this blah blah blah. But you get this different test market for each of these events it's a huge yeah. divert diversity right. yeah. um granted you don't see a too many minorities overall but you do see every walk of you know most white Almost americans right uh and then you have uh right next door a great demographic which is kind of a younger more liberal crowd in the mls uh that embrace a lot of yeah. uh, you know lgbt communities and this and that right so you have like and oh and then also you have the old baseball crowd going to a double A game which bring families and Great Wolf Lodge, which is you know, families with young the the demographics in this place are insane, is what I'm getting at. And we the mixture is right. phenomenal. So why did it it what like what are the impressions that they would get there? I don't want to say why did it fail quite yet, but what are the impressions that they get when they get there, Nick? So, I've been to the one in Walt Disney World much more recently, um, but I, from what I understand, they were almost the same. Yeah, um, I would say so. Now, the Kansas City location, uh, I found this in an article uh, related to its closure, actually, um, but according to one of the Kansas City newspapers, I think it was the Business Journal, maybe, um, that location cost... 15 million dollars to build in 2004 money 
that's uh twenty one million dollars today. That's insane. Um, that is a lot of money. Like, not only for a restaurant is that a lot of money. That's just a lot of money to put into a single stall. Well, you get my point. A single stall in a shopping mall. Um, so it, it's very upscale. Uh, well, not incredibly upscale because you're catering your families, but like, um, everything is well planned. Uh, there's animatronics. There's a show that's kind of on a loop every you know twenty to thirty mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, you get a meteor shower, which I always found incredibly morbid of an idea. You get to watch the the meteors kill the dinosaurs. Yeah, kind of. Like it's not directly implied that that's what it is, but that's kind of what yeah. it is, you know. Um, and it it's actually it's really it's a good atmosphere to be in. I actually really enjoyed it when I was there. Um, and I remember because I was much younger. Um, when we went to the one in Kansas City, I don't think we ate there though. Uh, I did um, eat at the one in Kansas City, so yeah. Did you? I don't know. Maybe I did. I don't. You have to remember call. again. I went to college in the area, so I probably ate there two or three times. That could be, um, but I do remember being at it at least once. Um, and yeah, it it was cool. You know it. Like I said, if you've ever been to a rainforest cafe, imagine that with dinosaurs. And I think that's part of the reason that I think it actually ended up flopping somewhat was because there isn't this visually distinct idea separate from the rainforest cafe, Nick. When, yeah, they felt like they were run by the same people. Which, I mean, they were. But also, like, I want you to yes. think of a rainforest, okay? The rainforest cafes... You have fake trees everywhere, all right? You have ambient kind of frog and nature noises, right? Um, yep. And, like, the, the trees, you have lightings, you have animatronics, right? The problem is, is when I think of the environment that the dinosaurs are in, and even in this, it's... Nick, it's a forest. They're in a forest. It's a, it's a jungle. Yeah, they're in the jungle, which is... You could have, you could have, you probably just reused everything from the Rainforest Cafe earlier, right? It's not a separate, it's a Rainforest Cafe where instead of a frog noise, occasionally they have like a little, like, roar for, of a dinosaur. No. They did have a big animatronic dinosaur, okay? But I remember being there and calling it a Rainforest Cafe by accident two or three times. Yeah, and, they ha- they did do a couple things that like tried to distinguish themselves because they had like they had an ice room where everything was cold and they had some like cool kind of cold animatronic dinosaurs. Um, I don't distinctly remember what the animals were because I didn't actually ever sit in there. Um, but they did they tried to distinguish it. But the problem was in the minds of the people, like you said, it's a rainforest cafe. Yeah, but it's got dinosaur animatronics in it. And when you open a new thing like this, you want it to be unique and you want it to like stand alone. And especially in themed dining, which was already strongly on its way out by this point, um, themed dining uh, gonna come up a lot in this podcast, all over the place, because um, there's a whole list of these things to run down. Um, but you want it to be unique and you want it to do something new. And you want it to stand alone, where it's kind of just, 
it's Rainforest Cafe 2.0. Even 1.1, arguably. Yeah, it it really is. It's a Rainforest Cafe 1.1. And I don't know about you, but Rainforest Cafes are fine and all. They're all they're definitely on their way out, right? But Yes. I think part of the problem, too, is, Nick, I don't know if I've ever been wowed by a meal at the Rainforest Cafe. Yeah, well, I find it to be a common theme with the, like, general, like, 90s-themed dining experiences. Is that the food is kind of trash. The food Mediocre is at best. We'll say at, average. Yeah, at best, it's, like, Red Robin good. Yeah, which, not that Red Robin's bad, but here's the thing, though, is Red Robin, I'm paying it a was premium always... for a burger at, like, 20 bucks for a meal, Okay. I'm going to the Rainforest Cafe and I'm getting maybe I'm getting probably a worse burger. I'm getting a kind of annoying experience if you're an adult TBH to be honest, right? Uh yeah. And I'm paying $35 a head all of a sudden. The prices are outrageous for mediocre food and if you don't have kids there's not a reason to go. I agree, and I, it's something that is prevalent in this genre of restaurant that disappoints me endlessly, because I do love the idea of themed dining, mm-hmm. like not like, and I'm not talking like dinner and a show like you would get at Medieval Times, which is kind of its own separate genre for right. this, but I, I don't dislike this idea of I'm sitting in a restaurant and I'm just kind of taking in an ambient plot line that loops, so I'm going to see it a couple times, but it, it's not overwhelming. And I'm just here to enjoy my food, and I can actually experience this several times because the a the food is good, and b the plot's not overwhelming. Yeah, me, you know. Um, but no one's executing no, it well. and and I think part of the problem too is that the appeal of dining, especially to the younger adult crowd, um. And certainly to me is to be able to get together with your friends and have a talk over a meal and have like a like this kind of like chill get together, right? It's a social gathering more than And whenever fifteen minutes the meteor shower plays, the lights flash out and I hear the roar of dinosaurs deafening over the room. Uh not that it was like obnoxiously loud, but it's hard to have a social gathering, man. When I'm out with my buds, yeah. When I'm out with my buds, I don't want to go to the Rainforest Cafe. Why? Because it's it's kind of annoying, to be honest, to try and talk through it. it yeah, it's kind it's, of, it's it's like it's it's, it's a similar problem to Buffalo Wild Wings, but like Buffalo Wild Wings, not a great place to socialize if you're in a group and just want to talk, right? Um, but but, but Buffalo Wild Wings though just has entertainment sports. in the form of sports which to the crowd they cater to is endlessly better than entertainment in the form of animatronics. Yes. that is, Yeah, you have a great point. Because um, Now, I will say, I love animatronics and I'm a nerd about them, so it kind of geeks me out a little bit being there. Um, but, but that's part of the thing, though, right? Is like, I do see a direct correlation between the fall of this kind of genre and the rise of your Buffalo Wild Wings. Why? Because people yeah. do want to be entertained while they eat. Like, that's okay. That's not a bad concept, okay? But one, you have to have it to where they can still 
you know, talk. One. And two, you have to have it, uh, you have to have reasonable prices. So, you, you know, you can't. Prices adjusted for right. good So you is. can't spend $15 million on animatronics and try and make it up through $30 burgers. And at the end of the day, yeah, you well, can spend it, it, a couple hundred thousand on a bunch of TVs, throw 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 it on the walls, turn on turn on sports, and it's a more entertaining product that for like a tenth of the cost, Nick. Well, and it also attracts a much more profitable not even a tenth of the cost being eighteen right. thirty five not even a tenth of the cost by the way a hundredth of the cost I'm doing my math my math wrong but it attracts eighteen to thirty five males who in this kind of sphere of marketing um, outside of women are the number one like most uh, if they're single they're the most spend happy group uh, of consumers yeah they're yeah. easily one of the most sold yeah. to demographics. By the way, it's a good thing you're a themed entertainment and shopping mall major. Kind of math <laughs> thank you, major. thank you. Uh, actually, I'm an yeah. I'm an arcade uh, archaeology major. Uh, we established that in episode one of this podcast, and I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Um, but uh, uh, by the way, uh, I say outside of women because women legitimately drive. If they're in a relationship with a man, women drive something like ninety percent of all. Uh, not even relationship or no, I think women drive ninety percent of all purchases is what they say in advertising. Uh because if you're a married man, you usually buy something either for your wife or because you're running an errand for your wife. Same fifth in a relationship. Uh and then you have to account for just single women too. But anyway. That, yeah. That anyway, me. back to oh. I remember telling my dad that and he, and my dad goes, No way. I'm like Hey, when's the last time you went to the store? Uh, yesterday. Why'd you go? Well, I had to pick up some groceries. According to who? Well, your mom wanted me to... Oh. Hey, but time before that, uh, where'd you go? Uh, I went to Home Depot. What'd you do? Got some lumber. What for? Well, I'm trying to build this nursery for your mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, anyway, so back to the reason this failed. It was just... A storm. So, the one in Kansas City, at least, um, was kind of doomed from the beginning, in my opinion, anyway. Um, especially in retrospect, uh, because it cost fifteen million dollars yep. to build. By the way, I want to um, I want to point out too it, one of the things it was doomed for because racing is my thing. NASCAR declined hard. They they don't sell out forty eight thousand seats. In, in Kansas anymore. They may be no. draw 20. Uh-uh. And IndyCar doesn't stop no, there. IMSA Indy- doesn't stop there. Uh, you know, like... It, a lot of people have moved away yeah. from ovals. Except yeah. NASCAR. So, all of a sudden, um, having Arrowhead Stadium next door is more like having, like, eight games at Kauffman Stadium where the Royals play. Yeah. And obviously, it's going to hurt. But what hurts more is when you realize... When they went to negotiate their lease for the last time, and when it failed the last time, uh, from that particular moment back to when they built, if you just uh, see what I'm looking for, if you uh, amortize their costs just for construction over that time, not including rent, just the construction, 
That's something like $1.1 million a year. Which, if restaurants have notoriously thin margins, I'm not sure specifically about this one, just because of, like I said, a $30 burger. Uh, but uh, you're not making $1.1 million a year on a restaurant, my dude. No, and when you factor in like your lease and your staff and actually producing a product, that's gonna hurt. I'm not saying they lost money on this venture because especially in the early days, I really doubt they did. I bet you they did make up all of that money in sales because it was unique. Uh, and there's something about the novelness of it that didn't wear off for a few years to a lot of the locals and some of the people who come in and see, oh, a T-Rex, what's this? And then realize it's a rainforest cafe with dinosaurs, uh, which coincidentally is not one of my favorite sentences. Um, and then after, you know, five years or so, people know what it is. It's kind of out there in the public. And the novel wears off and you're just kind of left with, we either need to update this where we add to the $15 million we spent or we need to do something to reinvest the public in this. And you're kind of losing money either way. So they just kind of let it go. And like, they kept it up and everything and it, never really went downhill but like they never tried to move it to the next level and then they opened the one in disney um yeah which the one in disney uh which i do recall eating at um because i did that and i think 2018 is what i said earlier and i believe that's correct um i actually love the food there it, uh, it should be said in I a background I, though uh that you do you mind if I tell them your medical thing, though? No, I, yeah. I was about to say it. Um, I have celiac disease, which means I Which can't is like 99% um, of foods. Some of you... It's all over the place. It's yeah. in a lot of grains. Um, and Disney especially, basically anywhere on Disney property you go, um, if you ask them and you tell them, hey, I have this allergy and especially celiac disease because it can hospitalize <laughs> he you. He knows. Um, <laughs> I've I've been there a couple times. Um, they'll actually bring the chef, like the proper chef out to you, and he'll work with you and like here's what we can do, here's what changes we can make, here's how we can do it, and then he yeah. actually prepares the food for you. He so or she. so not um yeah. So oh, okay. I had yeah. Not only did like I get to talk with the chef and kind of get my own personal stuff put together and like worked with him. But also, like, the head chef of the restaurant yeah. prepared my food. So, like, I'm a little biased on it. Also. Because, A, he was great. Right. I love working with that guy. But the food was good because I had the best person also, in the house I'd, doing it. So I'd like to throw out who knows what everyone else gets. You, I'm going to be honest with you. Most any restaurant you go to, the gluten-free food is a afterthought, right? Uh, like, it might yes. be okay. But that, I'm not saying it's trash, but that inherently lowers your bar. That is true, and I have been known yeah. to take that into account. So when some somebody gives you, um, and I don't want to be like, oh, food is trash, but there is a lot of gluten-free stuff that is just meh or trash, right? So when you have an yes, actually, there absolutely like, is. What we, like what I, a, a person who can eat pretty much anything, would consider like, yeah, that was a halfway decent meal. That might just like short circuit your brain kind of thing because of where your bar is. So 
Well, and I, I try and keep that in perspective. I'll, I will often, like, as long as the person I'm with, and a lot of this is, you know, pre-pandemic and everything, but um, if everyone is, uh, if everyone's compliant and likes it, I will try and share my food a little bit and, you know, ask, hey, is this good? Am I being or am I yeah. just like kind of am I just not aware of what's good anymore? Pizza is notorious oh. for that. Um, I have had that's some bangers. Side topic. That's a uh, but sorry so so time. who you're with, though, said it was it was good food, though, because I remembered it being like bad food. I just remember. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the reputation it has for sure. Even the one at Disney absolutely has the same reputation of it's high price mediocre food it's kind of quick servicey food yeah at a table i don't want to say like restaurant. applebee's like um, but like like one of applebee's is cheap yeah but it's, it's one it, of no, those it's kind of applebee's like restaurants um yeah it's definitely i want also vein. to point out one um, other thing that might have committed to its demise is that if you kind of go on you know, on on uh, Google Maps here, you see the T-Rex, it's in the middle of this plaza. And if you turn over to the left-hand side, uh, right above, uh, you know, the, the Crazy 8 store, is a massive Dave & Buster's. Which, if I'm a young yeah, boy, which, and I want to get entertainment with, in, in food, and then I'm also a parent, and I want entertainment food. I think I'm going Dave and Buster's, boys. <laughs> you have one of your biggest Absolutely. competitors I, right across yeah. there, and I'm not gonna lie; it's one of the bigger Dave and Buster's I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, in, you know, ninety percent of the time, Dave and Buster's is a great choice, is a yeah. great place to be. You know, um, and it. It offers something that they just don't have. Yeah, they don't have it which TV. is a little surprising. Um, but I realize Rainforest Cafe doesn't. But it seems like if you're aiming for that, you're missing an arcade-ish area. I I would agree with that. And you can even like pick and choose, even if it's yeah. a smaller. Arcade, um. So is that about it for why it failed? I mean, I think we got it covered. Like, do you have a competitor next door? You have overpriced, mediocre food. The one of the bigger attractions that you have next door in Kansas City uh went through a massive downturn and then they're you know it cost fifteen million dollars to build and they're not making that money up and then at a point where it's like we have to renovate, but they probably still haven't made fifteen million dollars in, in revenue to offset the fifteen million dollar build cost. Yeah, I that basically sells it on yeah. why it failed. Uh, it, it's weird how it didn't fail spectacularly and publicly. It's amazing to me that that didn't happen. Like it was a terrible yeah. PR problem, you know, with yeah. financial. It, it's crazy it too because uh, that shut down, and I think everybody in Kansas City said, "Oh, that's still around." Like it just died out because there's no novelty left to it. Yeah. Well. It, uh, that's the way a lot of the the 90s themed entertainment yeah or themed restaurants went was once the novelty died out it's like in a loud environment that's not great it's kind of loud and well and look at planet hollywood i'm sure future topic like it's loud and you walk around and you look at 
like either replicas or actual like movie memorabilia and the food's mad yeah yeah who cares it which and the only like it's very similar to hard rock but hard rock works kind of well hard rock hard rock isn't thing. doing the we'll best either but point. they've moved into the casino business we'll get into that at another point but uh nick does that uh is that about it for i think that sums it up well um yeah uh if you want us to get into a rainforest cafe class, uh, you know, lecture for a week, uh, let us know. Uh, and if you want us to cover more Landry's topics, I know that's kind of an odd topic, but I, I, I'll hear you. I'll listen. I'm interested. Uh, let us know if you want us to throw together a PowerPoint on that, and we'll we'll get to work on it for a class. Luke, my thank you for having assistant. me. Thank you for joining us. All right, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.